Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to America Can We Talk. Today, I want to talk about the biggest story of the week and maybe of the year, the Mueller report finally released. Specifically, it was a hoax, no collusion, no obstruction. Number two, no moving on yet. We need to identify the victims. And number three, after a Mueller, where America goes from here. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Welcome again to America Can We Talk. Well, Robert Mueller, having been appointed special counsel back in May of 2017, gave his report to the Attorney General over the weekend of his entire investigation of Trump, Mueller, the investigation by Mueller of the alleged Trump-Russia collusion. The highlights of the story are that Mr. Barr, Attorney General Barr, summarized this lengthy report that Mueller gave him, and Barr turned over his letter to the, essentially, to Congress, but he acknowledged the American people really want to know what happened. So the uh, Attorney General Barr wrote, wrote his letter in great detail. You can read it online. You can read it actually at my website. Go to americacanwetalk.org, and you can, on the home page under shows, go down a list of links, and there it will be is a link to this, what Attorney General Barr wrote to Congress. But the short story is, after nearly two years, after something in the range of 31 to $35 million, after headline after headline after headline, since before President Trump was sworn in, captured the American people's attention with the underlying allegation being a completely fraudulent hoax cooked up by the American left, cooked up by the leadership in the FBI and the Department of Justice with the very willing assistance of Hillary Clinton and others, the entire scheme, the entire accusation was a hoax. I'm going to show you at the end of the show tonight, or today, what some specifics that Barr put in his letter. What I want to hit with you, talk with you about in the first five today is this. You may remember, you may have heard of a group called MoveOn.org. MoveOn.org was founded by uh, Hillary Clinton supporters, or Bill Clinton supporters, back in 1998, when Bill Clinton was under investigation for his uh, relationship with Monica Lewinsky. And there was talk at that time about whether or not uh, the Congress should move toward impeachment of President Clinton. Well, Clinton allies began something called MoveOn.org. It was essentially saying, Okay, he might have done something. Can't we move on? Let's move on from this. This is the ongoing argument of the American left on issue after issue after issue. Once good news about them, once there is a um, exposure of the... Okay, a little signal from the screen here, sorry. Uh, once we have people uh, who are exposed, uh, as Bill Clinton was, as Hillary Clinton has been time and time again, the American left instantly goes from the American people hear bad news and instantly it's time to move on. Haven't we talked about this enough? Hillary Clinton uses that expression over and over and over for all the wrongdoing she has done. The countless, countless incidences of which if any regular person, every normal Amer any normal American had, had done what she'd done, they'd be prosecuted. Hillary Clinton has avoided prosecution. She has avoided the attention of prosecutors. She's avoided responsibility for her actions 
for decades. And I'm reminding you of this history to make this point today. We cannot agree as a nation to move on from what the left pulled in this country, this hoax, this unbelievably elaborate scheme by the American left to take down the duly elected president. We cannot decide, okay, Mueller report came in, turns out there was no collusion or obstruction by Trump, let's move on. No, we cannot move on. I'm going to do a two-part thing about this. Today I'm going to talk about the actual damage caused to the American people by the uh, actions of the leaders of the FBI, the Department of Justice, apparently people in the State Department, Fusion GPS, Hillary Clinton, a long list, a cast of characters who truly created great harm, caused great harm on many people in America, not just individuals, but on President Trump himself, on many individuals, but also on the entire respect America used to have for the rule of law. This is a serious consequential time in America. It is not time for patriots to salute when the left marches, stands up tomorrow or very soon says, okay, move on. So there was nothing to it because there was nothing to the accusation that Trump colluded with the Russians. There was a whole lot to the accusations that Republicans in the Congress raised and many across America raised with respect to how in the world did this whole absurd lie of an out, lie, this whole concoction, this fantasy story made up by the left that Trump colluded with the Russians, how did it get started? How did it get fed? Who nourished it, who fed it, who encouraged it? So folks, I wanna play a quick clip by President Trump. It looks like he's at the, on the tarmac by President Trump talking about rejoicing in the fact that he actually got cleared by the Mueller team, by the Mueller report. Here is President Trump. It was just announced there was no collusion with Russia, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. And it was a complete and total exoneration. It's a shame that our country had to go through this. To be honest, it's a shame that your president has had to go through this for before I even got elected. It began, and it began illegally. And hopefully somebody's gonna look at the other side. This was an illegal takedown that failed. And hopefully somebody's gonna be looking at the other side. So it's complete exoneration, no collusion, no obstruction. Thank you very much, thank you. Did you ever notice President Trump repeats himself? I'm sure you never noticed that, but he repeats himself just a touch. But I kind of liked it in this case. This is a man since before he was sworn in, frankly, before he won the election, November 2016, was under a cloud of suspicion of utterly complete false accusation by the American left. And here we are, you know, past the middle of March of 2019. And we finally now have, after 31 to 35 million dollars spent after accusations and headlines fill and, and stories filling the airwaves during his entire presidency. We finally have the truth. There was no Trump Russia collusion. As I said, I'm going to divide my coverage of this story in two parts. 
Today, I want to remind all of us, not only not to move on, not to just forget about it and forget how we got here and forget about how they came up with this Trump collusion story. I don't want us to forget about the wrongdoers, but I'm going to talk about them tomorrow. Tomorrow, Sidney Powell is joining me. She is a uh, nationally renowned former federal prosecutor. She's uh, been she's the author of a book called License to Lie, a former U.S. attorney, youngest ever appointed, um, a truly phenomenal figure in American law and for American legal circles. And she's going to talk to us about what should happen to the people who cooked up this story. I want to talk today about what did happen how many people how much uh, how many people were harmed by this process, by this absurd unbelievably unjustified investigation how many people were hurt how america was hurt how the voters were hurt and so we all hold on to and remember how deeply harmful this was to our precious country i'm debbie georgettis this is america can we talk stay tuned for a three second break talk. I want to just start today. I mean, I just cannot urge you strongly enough to recognize it's a it's a profoundly important day in America. Yesterday, Sunday, on Sunday, the Attorney General of the United States of America turned over to the leadership of Congress a letter in which he outlined what the Mueller report said. The Mueller report being Robert Mueller's report about his nearly two year long investigation into the question of whether or not President Trump or anyone on his team colluded with the Russians to bring, about, to bring about his victory in 2016. And I want to run through a series of ways in which our country was deeply, deeply harmed by this lengthy, ongoing, utterly unjustified investigation. First, I'll just mention, because you're going to, I will tell you that you're going to hear people saying that Mueller left in the report, which we hope will ultimately be made public, and that was actually, Barr said, most of it can be, some might not be, because of ongoing investigations, but Mueller left a little red meat in that, um, in that report, which the American left is going to jump on. They're going to say, well, you know, he didn't exactly completely conclude, blah, blah, blah. He kind of said something a little bit different. They're going to, they're pieces of red meat Mueller intentionally left in that report to give to give a little bit of um, encouragement, a little bit of ability of the Democrat-run House to continue its attack on President Trump. They can, they can hit on the way sentences are phrased. They can hit on ways there's just references to, well, maybe we don't know exactly, or we didn't come up with enough evidence. If the left is determined to continue to have their entire agenda be in Washington, D.C., to find some way to destroy President Trump, instead of to do what they were elected to do, which is to, is to pass laws, fix problems in this country, address policy concerns, work on immigration, work on all the issues America faces, the American left has been unwilling to do that, really, since Trump won the election. All they have been singularly focused, the Democrats in Washington, on destroying President Trump. I think, actually, that even though Mueller left all this red meat in his report and that Mueller's uh, report gives them some occasion, some opportunity 
to continue to say, well, you know, Mueller's report didn't answer every question. It's possible. You could read this to mean this, or maybe if we investigated that, they can find reasons to investigate. But I do think the wind is out of the Democrat sails. I think actually in America, there's a giant sigh of relief because people who voted for President Trump, people who, in fact, longtime Democrats who voted for President Trump because they did not want the corrupt Hillary Clinton to be their president, no one who voted for Trump wanted it to be true that Trump had colluded with the Russians. No one wanted that. And as time wore on and Mueller kept you know, adding lawyers and adding indictments and adding investigations and interviewing more witnesses, you know, people start to get worried. They think, well, gee, you know, why hasn't this gone away? This, you know, Trump's been saying it's a hoax from the beginning. So finally, that's why I say it's a consequential, it's a monumental day in America today because we have after, and I'm going to tell you how much money, personnel, and effort was put into this effort by Mueller. And this was an effort, by the way, to be very clear from the start, in my opinion, the effort of the Mueller investigation was never, it was never to simply investigate whether or not there was collusion between the Trump team and the Russians. That's what it was supposed to be about. But what it actually was about, what it became about very quickly, was finding some way to take down the president, finding some way to either bring about allegations that could cause the House, give the House sufficient grounds to bring to move toward impeachment, or to possibly even get to the point of whether or not the president could be indicted on some crime, which is an unsettled area of law, not relevant to today's discussion. But early on, right when Mueller got started, there was a column by Andrew McCarthy, who writes for National Review, you know, the famous prosecutor, prosecuted the blind shake in uh, New York, very famous prosecutor, who wrote a column essentially saying the special counsel statute, he disliked the special counsel statute, which to be precise is not what Mueller was appointed under, but it's the same kind of thing. Mueller got appointed under regulations in the Department of Justice, creating authority for special counsel. But... Andrew McCarthy's point was people get in this role of special counsel and they no longer think it's their job to investigate the specific question of whether or not there was, you know, did Trump collude with the Russians? Was there, did someone on his team collude with the Russians? It always becomes, to use President Trump's term, a witch hunt. It always becomes the effort to find something to, to prove your chops, to prove your ability, to prove that you're a smart lawyer and you're a, you're a rabid investigator and a rabid prosecutor and you're not going to let things go. So we had Mueller appointed back in May of 2017 and beginning this investigation, he found people affiliated with President Trump, people who had worked on his campaign or even for you know, a month or so worked on his campaign or who were associates of his. The Mueller team dug down among the wide array of Trump colleagues, campaign people, people briefly with the campaign, people close to the campaign, dug into their lives, dug into their conduct, their businesses, their entire lives, and found reasons to bring prosecutions towards some people. They did end up indicting and prosecuting some people. And this caused, again, many Americans to say, well, gee, you know, Mueller's found this. Maybe he's going to find some reason. Maybe he's going to find some proof that actually Trump was uh, somehow colluding with the Russians. Let me run through first just how much of America's time, energy, and resources were consumed with this lie, 
this hoax of Trump-Russia collusion. Again, tomorrow we'll talk about how we got to occlusion being created and who ought to be investigated because of that. We'll have Sidney Powell on to talk about that. Today we're talking about how much this investigation harmed America. First of all, special counsel Robert Mueller had 19 lawyers, a an entire list of lawyers, all of them being Obama-supporting and Hillary-supporting leftists. I mean, all by itself, Mueller's choice of lawyers on this allegedly neutral you know, prosecution, neutral investigation, was a, a tip to anyone honest to say he's looking for a reason to destroy Trump. He's bringing on rabid Obama and Hillary supporters. Number two, he had approximately 40 FBI agents and other intelligence analysts, forensic accountants, and other professional staff in addition to the 17 lawyers. So 40 other people who otherwise could be doing their job in Washington, like investigating real crime, looking into, uh, who knows, maybe smugglers at the border, maybe drug smugglers, maybe drug crimes. You could find people, in, people in Washington could find a lot of things to be doing instead of spending their time on a true witch hunt conducted by the American left under, under Robert Mueller. Robert Mueller's investigation, 19 lawyers, 40 FBI agents. He also issued over 2,000, almost 3,000 subpoenas, 2,800 subpoenas. He executed nearly 500 search warrants. This was a massive effort. He obtained over 230 orders for communication records, and that's like orders to get copies of phone records and text messages, and if you use Messenger, orders to get messages. He, uh, he had almost 50, no, he had 230 of those, almost 50 orders authorizing use of pen registers, 13 requests made to foreign governments for evidence, and he interviewed approximately 500 witnesses. Attorney General Barr was very clear in what he told Congress. This was a thorough, complete investigation. Understand, I'm going to go over those numbers again at the end of the show. Understand, it was a thorough, complete investigation. It was not haphazard. It was not, you know, kind of did a few things and let it go. This was a thorough investigation looking under every rock possible to see if he could find some way to destroy President Trump. That was what Mueller did. And now we know today, here in, you know, finally, here in near the end of March of 2019, nearly two years later, Trump, the conclusion by the bar, by, by Mueller's investigation, the conclusion that that bar reported to Congress, no evidence of Trump-Russia collusion and no evidence of Trump obstructing justice. The other huge accusation against him. So recognize the profound energy and effort put into trying to take President, down, President Trump down. Now I want to turn to the tactics used by Mueller. This was not just that Mueller was and his team were out of control in terms of being determined to find some way to bring Trump down. 
Mueller's team engaged in the kind of things that usually happen, uh, like under the Nazis, for example, the stormtroopers, the, the just unbelievably egregious conduct. You think he would have been doing this because he was trying to find, you know, spies from ISIS in America who are about ready to uh, ex explode, make some big explosion or kill a bunch of people. He did this to American citizens to start with. The perjury trap. We've talked about in the show many times. Mueller used this tactic, which is widely known. It is egregious. It is the idea. And you put yourself in, the, in your shoes if any of these people question along these kind of lines. Mueller is now using the FISA warrants, illegally obtained, but he's got FISA warrants. He's been spot the the um, the uh, not, the uh, federal government, the FBI has been spying on all sorts of Americans. Everyone affiliated with Trump team has been spied on. They have their emails. They have their conversations. So they sit down. Let's start with Jerome Corsi. Jerome Corsi is an author. He was questioned. Yeah, here's his picture right here. Jerome Corsi's having a good day today, by the way. He's a happy guy. He was one of the ones laid on in, the, in this whole production, this whole Mueller astonishing witch hunt, who was questioned by Robert Mueller about some emails that he had sent back and forth with, I believe it was with Roger Stone. But the point of the, what I'm getting at and how just egregiously wrong Mueller's conduct was is... Mueller had already subpoenaed from, and of course he had cooperated with the Mueller investigation, given him all of his emails, all of his text messages, everything else, every electronic form of communication, of course he's cooperating with the Mueller team. The Mueller team is looking at him because they're trying to get at the question of who it was who hacked in to the Democrat National Committee's servers, got a hold of Hillary Clinton's emails, and effectuated their release through WikiLeaks and other places. Point being, that was part of the Mueller investigation, was that a, you know, the Russians were colluding, they were, or the Russians were hacking the Democrats, and this is one way the Russians tried to impact the American elections, which, by the way, Barr says it was. Barr agrees, yeah, the Russians, they hacked into the Democrat servers, they got a hold of emails, made Hillary look bad, they passed those emails along to WikiLeaks, leaks, but Barr concludes no evidence of anyone on the Trump team having anything to do. You, you can put our, our friend back, Corsi, back up there one more second because I, I got sidetracked. I want to finish on Corsi. So Corsi cooperates with the, I've talked to him several times and we kept, could not quite get a, a date for get him on the show. We'll get him on the show sometime, but Corsi cooperates. He gives Mueller team everything. So he's sitting there being questioned and he doesn't he doesn't have his notes in front of him he doesn't have his computer his emails he's just sitting there being questioned they say to him Jerome Corsi you sent an email or so and so did you ever I think the question that he got tripped up on was did you forward that email to anyone some email they were asking him about he doesn't have it in front of him so best of his memory he says no I didn't well, it turns out later in the day, the prosecutor said, well, actually, we have your whole email record here. And you, as a matter of fact, Corsi, you did forward that email. He says, oh, okay. And so his lawyer sitting there says, well, can he change his answer? They say, sure, change your answer. He goes home. You know, I, I, uh, I made an incorrect statement in my uh, in interview with the FBI. You know, I'm sorry, I, I did forward that email. The point that Mueller was getting at was whether Corsi was somehow the go-between between Julian Assange of WikiLeaks and the Trump campaign. That's what they thought Corsi did. Corsi saying, nothing like that happened. Yeah, I got an email. Somebody asked me about, you know, can you find out when or if Assange is going to 
release the next uh, next you know batch of emails related to the Democrat server. And I remember what he, the whole point is. He, Jerome Corsi, had nothing to do with cooperating. He wasn't, he wasn't part of hacking into the Democrat servers. He wasn't part of providing those emails by Hillary to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks. He wasn't doing anything illegal. But because he was sitting in an interview with the Mueller team and gave an incorrect answer as to whether or not he forwarded an email he was threatened with being charged with lying to the FBI. Now, you didn't have to be under perjury, to under penalty of perjury. You don't have to be testifying under penalty of perjury in order to commit a felony if you lie to the FBI. You can't lie to them. It's a pretty good reason, I get a pretty good thing. But anyway, he's saying, I didn't lie. I didn't know. I, I didn't remember. I forwarded that email. Corsi then went on to be much more brave than many people were dealing with the Mueller stormtrooper tactics. The, the Mueller just unbelievably egregious tactics. Corsi was threatened. He was essentially arm twisted. The Mueller team trying to say to him, you're going to turn around and you're going to help us. You know, they were trying to threaten him with saying, you're going to go to jail unless you admit that you lied to us. And then once he's admitted he lied, which he didn't, then they have him. And then they're saying, if you want to avoid jail, you're going to cooperate with our investigation. Of course, he's saying that Mueller was actually trying to force him to lie that the Mueller team was actually trying to set him up to lie. And of course, he said, in fact, I got to tell you recently, I was at an incredibly cool conference and of course, he spoke uh, at an evening dinner. And he talked about the fact that he when he was dealing with the FBI, they're making it very clear, we're going to try to send you to jail unless you start cooperating. You go, you go anti-Trump, you turn against the president, you cooperate with us. And of course, he says they were trying to get him to say things about Trump that were not true. He said no. He even went home and talked to his wife and said, well, do you want to be visiting me in prison? How, you know, is that OK? You want to be visiting me in prison? And she said, I'd rather do that then have you lie to the FBI to save yourself. This was a very moral position this guy took. So of course he says, forget it, not cooperating, not doing it. So of course he's having a good day today. I don't know whether or not the impending or potential prosecution of him has been dropped. I believe it has. But of course he's one example of somebody who tells you, who gives you a window on the degree of venom vitriol and vengeful determination on the part of the Mueller persecution. It was not an investigation. It was an effort to get something to get Trump. This is a perfect example. So that was just, okay, one thing. That that was the perjury trap is what they did to Corsi. They also did it to Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. Now I've had, you know, we have his picture, I hope. Yeah, okay. Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, let me just tell you, I've had him on my show, this show, I think twice. I also had him on, I did somebody else, I do another person's show sometimes, had him on that show. This is a stellar American. This is a guy who all of us, while we sit home safely in our homes, has been out serving America in the military for over a decade, maybe over two decades. Okay, no, he's uh, rose to the rank of Lieutenant General in the U.S. Army over 33 years of service. 
So, in service to his continued service to his country, he agrees to serve President Trump, newly elected, newly elected President Trump, not even in office yet. He agrees to, rep to serve Trump. He's the uh, shortest um, ever, uh, shortest term ever of National Security Advisor, but he's only been on the Trump team, you know, a short amount of time announced as going to be his national security advisor, he's approached by the Mueller team that, again, remind yourselves, Mueller team has access to all of this spying the FBI has been doing on American citizens under dishonestly obtained FISA court warrants, which is what we'll talk about tomorrow, dishonestly obtained warrants spying on Americans and asking him some question which he trips up on. They know what he said. He doesn't know what he said. I mean, he's asked about some conversation. In this conversation, did you say X or Y? You know, he thinks he's, it's a friendly interview with his own president's Department of Justice, not recognizing, not recognizing that they're setting him up. There are other elements to how egregious Mueller's conduct was toward Flynn because they should have and could have when they decided, when the Mueller team decided to question Flynn, they should have said, you know, by the way, you're not being questioned as a friendly witness to help us out. You're being questioned as a potential target. Because had he known that, he might have said, well, in that case, I want an attorney. Frankly, he might not have said it. But the point is, Mueller, was an, Mueller again, up to his extremely low low-life, unconscionable conduct, the perjury trap, trapped Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. On top of that, with didn't have the right answer, didn't recall whatever the question was. It doesn't even matter what the question was. So Flynn is an example, not just of the perjury trap, but then the ongoing tactics of the efforts of the, of the Mueller team to bring people down because he ended up being threatened, charged, his own adult son threatened. He had to sell his house to pay his legal fees. These are not people. You don't become rich, to be clear. You might be famous if you're Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. You might be in the newspapers. You might be someone people see in the street. Go, oh, wow, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. He is a star human. He's a stellar American, but he's not rich. He's worked for the military his whole life. He doesn't have a stash of money somewhere to pay for a lawyer once the Mueller team comes after him. So he, Flynn, forced to sell his house, forced into near bankruptcy. And think back, I think actually he did declare bankruptcy, but in any case, you know, wiping out his life savings, he made life savings from his time in the military and facing prison because of the Mueller tactics. And now I turn to the, and I'm getting at, I want to really embed in your thinking the idea that what happened to America under this Trump-Russia collusion was not just that we have a president duly elected without any, without any collusion with the Russians, with no effort on his part to, have to work with the Russians in any way. We had a president who's been undermined every day since he won the presidency in November 2016. Undermined in a variety of ways. And when you see what Mueller did, how Mueller conducted his, this investigation, it is egregious. Next thing, stormtrooper tactics. Two different times at least when instead of executing a search warrant, which, you know, this is, search warrants happen. Prosecutors get search warrants. 
Police go execute them. They go to the house, say, hey, we have a, st- a search warrant. They look for everybody looking for. Actually, three times the stormtroopers stuff. One was with um, Roger Stone. Roger Stone, Trump affiliate, you know, literally showing up, not a SWAT team. I didn't mean to say not. A SWAT team team shows up at his house pre-dawn the whole you know rifles drawn you know SWAT people in the backyard you'd think they were capturing a terrorist this was to get Roger Stone this is to attack Roger Stone to find some way some evidence maybe Stone can help take down Trump this is an ongoing tactic of the Mueller team trying to turn someone against Trump not trying to find out if Trump-Russia collusion occurred, trying to destroy Trump. So stormtroopers show up Roger Stone's house, his wife's out in the you know front yard in her nightgown, and they're, they're carrying stuff away. Uh, same thing at the Manafort. Uh, in fact, the Roger Stone stormtrooper episode also involved, shockingly, the CNN network got a tip ahead of time you know, who that came, who on the Mueller team had to be the Mueller team, who in the Mueller team gave that? We don't know. Not right. So CNN's there to film it all because they got a heads up from the um, Mueller team. And then you had similar conduct with the Manafort breaking down the door, showing up, you know, guns drawn, guns blazing like they're arresting a terrorist to get uh, to uh, arrest Manafort. Uh, it was not quite guns drawn as wild, but the Michael Cohen, Trump's attorney, Having your own attorney, your own attorney's office, the Mueller, which Cohen was Trump's attorney, Mueller is actually executed a search warrant and carried away every document, recording, and, and Michael Cohen is a big recorder of people uh, from that office. I don't know what's happened to the attorney-client privilege defense, but that seems to be gone. Anyway, then the selective enforcement of the law is another egregious aspect of this Mueller, of the conduct of Mueller investigation. People got prosecuted for failing to register as an agent of a foreign power, a which is a law, but it is one where normally when people, it is discovered someone's doing that, they get a little reminder, notice mail, hey, it seems like you're doing this, go register. It was selective enforcement, selective, aggressive criminal enforcement. Um, Another aspect of the Mueller thing is, you know, the confinement of Paul Manafort. Paul Manafort may not be a saint. I am not, nothing he was accused of, nothing he was tried for, nothing he was convicted of has anything to do with Trump-Russia collusion. But Manafort apparently had some wrongdoing of various kinds related to, to financial transactions. I'm not saying he's a saint. I am saying the Mueller team, again, this vicious determination to turn someone against Trump, Paul Manafort is sitting in solitary confinement, solitary freaking confinement over financial transactions over his, because they're hoping to turn him. And it all starts, all of this started with a, congr- a campaign smear piece paid for by Hillary Clinton and later by the DNC, which got, which the, was the Russian dossier just made up out of whole cloth and used apparently knowingly by the FBI to get FISA court warrants to then begin spying on American citizens. This is 
banana republic stuff. This is this is I, I, this. We cannot have this conduct in America. But I want to turn to other people harmed by this. Other so we have a bunch of innocent lives. I have, by the way, all the information of all the people indicted. If you keep on hearing, for, by the way, 34 people indicted. To be clear, of those 34, 25 of those people are Russian citizens who were apparently part of some effort to sway the American election, to turn the American election toward um, Hillary and away from Trump, you know, toward Trump and away from Hillary. But these people, they're like joke indictments. They're like Mueller saving face because he's investigating, finding nothing. So now he decides, you know what? I'm going to indict people in Russia. Odds are, folks, they're never going to show up in America. There's not going to be a prosecution. They're just show indictments. So 25 of the 34 show indictments, uh, nine Americans, most of whom you've never heard of, and most of whom did, you know, six days time for some minor infraction. The, the point is, Robert Mueller did not uncover anything that matters in terms of the integrity of the Trump administration. Nothing. He did manage to use his power to bash people, to, to interfere with their, their rights to uh, fair counsel, as in, in the case of, Michael, of, of um, Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. He, used, he abused his power as prosecutor because it was clear from the start he was on a mission to try to destroy President Trump. I'm not even going to go forward and reading the rest of the uh, people because I want to hit two other points about how America was hurt. One is, remind yourself how many times Senator Schumer, the Democrat, minor- thank goodness, minority leader in the U.S. Senate, has used the Russia-Trump collusion lie to say, well, we can't move forward on this nomination because he's not really president. He's going to be impeached. Schumer has raised the specter of Trump's impeachment, potential impeachment, over and over and over and over to block nominees to federal courts, to block nominees to the Supreme Court, or to try to, to block his nominees as ambassadors. Schumer has used this, and many in the American left have used this, to essentially work to say Trump's not really a legitimate president. So therefore, he doesn't get to nominate. Therefore, he doesn't get to get his nominations through. We get to play games with these nominations. We get to stall them. So there's been harm in President Trump moving forward in getting his people in place in this administration. There has been harm to the reputation of the FBI and the Department of Justice and, frankly, the State Department and the CIA and John Brennan all of which we'll talk about tomorrow. But the faith the American public has in the FBI and the Department of Justice has drastically gone down during this time because the effort was not to, because people began to see the effort by the FBI had had been long before Mueller was appointed. The FBI, behind the scenes, was working actively to to take the side of one political candidate, Hillary Clinton, and attack the other, using the the using the power they have in Washington to destroy a political enemy. It's also made it less and less likely that competent, hardworking people are going to be willing to serve in public life. If you see this is how you get treated, you get treated to the Mueller witch hunt conduct over and over and over because you dared to step up and serve a president. And the last people hurt by this before we're going to take, I'm going to, I have one last segment after this, but the last people or the last group of people beside President Trump, who was the most of all hurt, obviously, but he's the obvious victim, 
The last victim of this Mueller witch hunt is the American people. The 62 million plus of Americans who voted for President Trump, who actually want him to drain the swamp, who actually want him to secure the border, to actually want him to move forward the agenda that they voted for him to do. Trump, President Trump has been stymied along the way by headlines, by accusations, by whispered inferences, by just attacks undermining his credibility, his very right to serve as president, all of it based on a lie, all of it based on a witch hunt, which has now finally come to light. And it is, we need to be very careful, friends, on our side of the aisle, not to surrender to the move on dot pressure, which will become very clear very soon. We need to instead insist, as we'll talk about tomorrow with Sidney Powell, instead insist that the real wrongdoers be actually prosecuted. I'm Debbie Georges. This is America Can We Talk. Stay tuned. Be right back. Okay, so I've got this um, this uh, thing I want to show you about connecting the American dots. I do a lot of public do public speaking a lot. And I often say, you know, you need to be able to connect the dots between what you hear and what is true. And you can make it a full screen, um, Matt, if you want, because I want people to see this. Um, what we talked about today. This is you know the American dots of what happened in this. And, and you can next screen if you would. General William uh, Attorney General William Barr's letter summary of the Mueller report. You can't see it clearly, I'll just tell you. He says straight out, neither the Trump campaign or anyone associated with it conspired or coordinated with Russia during the 2016 campaign, unambiguous. He says Russia did attempt to interfere via disinformation, but no U.S. person or Trump campaign official was involved. Russia did hack into the DNC servers and obtained and disseminated emails via WikiLeaks. No involvement by Trump. Next screen. This is interesting to know. Multiple offers were made by Russia or Russia-affiliated individuals to assist the Trump campaign, but no Trump campaign official conspired or coordinated. Barr is going out of his way to say that Trump's team tried to turn to get, uh, or the Russians tried to get Trump's team team to turn and they wouldn't do it. Next screen, uh, Mueller, uh, Barr's letter also says, no obstruction of justice. I want to take a 30-second uh, point of personal privilege here to explain what Barr is saying about this. Obstruction of justice was a charge that many people were saying, well, even if Trump didn't clue with the Russians, I mean, look what he did. He suggested maybe Michael Flynn, can you go easy on him? That's obstruction of justice. Barr makes the point in this letter. If there was no underlying collusion, no conspiracy by Trump, nothing, no wrongdoing by Trump with the Russians, you can't prove then obstruction of justice. There was nothing Trump could have been obstructing. You can't prove obstruction of justice if there was no underlying wrongdoing by Trump to start with. In fact, that Barr's letter includes that reasoning. Also, Barr's letter runs through all of these, uh, on the next screen, if you would, uh, runs through all of the expenses, unbelievable expenses, to the American people. Again, 19 lawyers, 40 FBI and other assistants, 2,800 subpoenas, 500 search warrants, 230 orders for communication, that's like text messages and, you know, emails, uh, 
500 witnesses interviewed, $25 million spent as of September of 2018. If you assume the same level of spending, which is probably was more, you're somewhere ending up today between 31 and 35 million. Last screen, lives forever changed. Michael Flynn, George Papadopoulos, Paul Manafort, Rick Gates, Roger Stone, Jerome Corson, Michael Cohen, truly these are not all saints. They say, okay, Manafort, he did a few things that weren't great. Michael Cohen's probably really going to prison and kind of the way he's acted, he may actually deserve it. But I want to leave you with this point today. We cannot treat today as the end of the story about what happened inside the 2016 elections. There was collusion. There was conspiracy between Hillary Clinton, the DNC, Fusion GPS, Department of Justice, and and the entire, you know, the, the searching for, the getting for FISA court warrants. There was at least extreme cooperation among people inside the FBI we already know for sure about. We cannot say, okay, Mueller's done, the report's in, Trump is cleared, let's move on. We cannot correct the wrong. We will be wrong in this country to say we're going to let it go when all those people were hurt and millions more and the American people were hurt and President Trump was hurt. And the Trump agenda was hurt by our failure. It w- if we just let this go, we'll be deciding that all that damage goes unpunished and that is not right. We need to start the investigation tomorrow into the wrongdoing of the people who created this absurd hoax. I'm Debbie Georgias. This is America Can We Talk. Talk to you tomorrow at 3. America, can we talk? Truth about America.